Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. Uh, Melvin. Uh, Daniel. Can you name the 10 movies that are nominated for Best Picture at this year's Oscars? <laughs> Man, um, am I allowed to cheat and just actually search it real quick? No, no. <laughs> I want to know off the top of your head. I... Bonus con- points if you actually watched them. Confession, uh, this was my most normal year uh, for movie watching. Uh, in my top 10, several of them are Disney-owned movies, unfortunately. I, you know what? Not unfor- I'm not going to feel bad or shame. For <laughs> unfortunately, you watch like. movies you enjoyed. I know. What a shame. I, I watched less than 50 movies from last year. Um, so it's possible that none of the stuff that I watched got nominated. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm pretty sure Worst Person in the World got nominated for something. I don't know if it's Best Picture yeah, I'm wait, only going with Wait, best did you picture. say it was 10 for Best Picture? Because that's ten the movies, first time. 10 movies get bounded for Best Picture every year now. Every year now? They, every, up, they bumped it up from like 8 to 10, and then they never even really hit 8 for like 5 years. I don't know why they did that. Yeah. Waves could have been nominated for Best Picture in 2019, and it just wasn't. Yeah, every every other category is still at 5, but... Best Picture's 10. Best Picture's um, 10. There's one movie. Oh, don't look up. Don't look up. God. I was like, there's always that one that everybody hates. And I was yep. like, don't look up. That's the, the Oscar villain movie this year. So Oscar villain movie. Adam McKay is the Oscar villain. Um, <laughs> I, the, I mentioned letterbox reviews all the time and then I never say who they're from, but I really, I don't remember who this wrote this one, but they said that don't look up is the movie where everyone on set thought they were the smartest person in the room. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Flip. Uh, don't you look up. Worst person in the world. Worst person in the world is not. Yeah, worst person in the world is not nominated for best picture. Let me look at my top ten and see if any of them got nominated. I suppose that's allowed within the poorly defined confines of this game. I watched one that was in last year's best picture, Judas and the Black Messiah. <laughs> that doesn't count. Doesn't count. <laughs> oh, Dune. Dune is another one. Dune. Yep. Dune is nominated for best picture. Which is weird because I don't. I don't know if that one makes sense. It got nominated in a bunch of categories, like almost all the significant ones. Mm-hmm. But uh, Denny Villeneuve was not nominated for Best Director, so a lot of people are weird about that. I yeah, people sometimes think if you're getting Best Picture, you should get Best Director, but well, Best it's Picture like, is a team effort. He, best Director is different. So the movie's also nominated for screenplay. It's nominated for um, a bunch of other awards, like. Like production design, score, sound, um, makeup, cinematography, editing, costume oh, it's like design, gravity. Well, visual when effects. Gravity came out and it got like nominated for nine Oscars, but then it didn't get nominated <laughs> for Best Picture, and people were yeah. like, "Hmm, nine Oscars, but you didn't get Best Picture." <laughs> yeah. Well, in this case, it's like, how has the movie succeeded every level of being movie, except for the guy who's on set going like, <laughs> "Make sure everything goes together." I understand the confusion in this instance. That means I've only seen, I think, one Best Picture nominee from this year. I'm going to cheat, and I'm going to look at what's popular this week on Letterboxd. Oh, Oh, Nightmare Alley, I'm pretty sure, got nominated. 
licorice pizza. Yep. I just forgot these. What, what the? What's the? What, <laughs> I was very curious if you'd just be able to like legitimately just guess what. Coda, Belfast. Um, yeah. Flea. I mean, okay. Well, was Flea on there? No, but. No. Anyways, <laughs> I'm cheating now. And I'm gonna go look at it. Uh, oh yeah, Power of the Dog, West Side Story, Drive My Car, Coda, King Richard. This is the last one that you're on. King Richard. Oh yeah, that's right. I wanted to check that one out. But it's a shame because it's 2022 now, so I don't care about 2021 movies anymore. Sorry, it's just how it is. What? <laughs> the, second, the second 2022 starts, I'm I moved on. The second it is January 1st, I'm like, what's a yeah. new movie this year? And but I you watched watch Jason the Black Messiah, like. <laughs> but that's you just but that's it just came out in the theaters <laughs> that year. <laughs> also, I really wanted to see it. Uh, and it was my first, my first movie back from inpatient. So screw off. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> the other, time uh, back. the other, other notables is tragedy. Macbeth got a couple things, including best actor, uh, tick, tick, boom, eyes of Tammy Faye, uh, being the Ricardos got stuff for acting. I want to see Ascension. That's a documentary of just basically no narration, just scenes of Chinese production lines and stuff like that. Very much Kalyani Katsi vibes is what I sounds like from Ascension. But worst person in the world got original screen screenplay and international feature film and animated feature film. Oh, Flea was nominated for best animated feature and Oscar nominated Free Guy. We <laughs> did. We got that. baby. Uh, <laughs> I actually do you know what the five nominees for best animated feature film are. I feel like you probably saw some of these. Uh, I'm gonna guess it's Luca Mitchell. And the machine versus machines, Ryan the Last Dragon. Um, is Flea on there? Because Flea's yes, animated. It just said Flea, yeah. Oh, okay, you did. Yeah. I wouldn't know what the other one is. You're four for five, actually. Those I for a second I thought you were just like cheating. You I am I told you I'm already cheating. I'm uh, here, I'm showing you my phone. I'm already cheating. Yeah. Um I just can't tell because of the posters. Encanto is the other one. Uh, okay. Oh, that makes sense. I didn't see that yet, but I know everyone swears by it. It's good. It's really good. I like that movie. Hey there, it's your friendly neighborhood call to action. Just checking in on you. Hope you're doing all right. I'm just stopping by to say, you know, if you enjoy the show, you can always subscribe and write a review for Cinematic Doctrine. There's iTunes, Podchaser, basically anywhere you listen. You can give us a shout out with a thumbs up, five stars, gripping positivity. Or if you hate the show, you can say that too. Wait, what? What are you saying? Why are you saying that? Well, I'm not going to tell them what to do, Ted. They're free to do what they want. Our analytics say we got a lot of listeners in the U.S., and you know they love their freedoms. And you're also free to check out our Twitter. Very active there. We host polls, memes. There's also the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group called Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group. If you want to join, just answer the questions, read the rules, and tell them the podcast sent you. Also, you should check out our website. Some really cool stuff there. Editorials, written reviews for movies we haven't had time to cover. Always check out cinematicdoctrine.com when you get the chance. Oh, uh, Ted also told me I shouldn't forget to mention the Patreon. Something about you can support us or something? Wait, Ted, I thought this was like a hobby thing. You it's want to me to... expand Cinematic Doctrine. You know right, this already. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, <laughs> I forgot. I'm the one who put all this together. Yeah, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can gain access to early uncut episodes of the podcast. Oh, and did I mention, you get to tell us what to do. That's right, each month you get to vote on a movie we discuss on the show. Anyways, I gotta run, so I'll see you guys later. 
I saw 44 movies from last year. Would you like to hear my sure. 10 favorites and my 10 least favorites? That's a, that's a good segue. That's, I feel like this is a natural progression of thought here. Thank you. I sometimes like to imitate human behavior, and I think I did it pretty well that time. Um, first off, the only shame I have about last year's movie watching experience is I didn't actually watch that many. Um, I typically watch over 50 of that year. I like to do that because I feel like that's a good grasp of like, it's a good balance of the popcorn flicks, the blockbusters, the comedies, the dramas, and the indie flicks. Uh, for reference, I think 2017, oh, I didn't mark it off there. I have a, I call it the final score. Um, 2018, my final score was... Okay, not marked either. All right, guys, this is going really well. <laughs> what is happening right now? Let's go to 2019's ranked list. There we go. My final score was 80. I saw 80 from that year in that year. So far, 101. Um, 2020, I saw 65 movies from that year or properties before the end of the year. And then, yeah, last year, I did not see much. 2021, I only saw 44 before the end of the year. But Let's start with, um, do you want to start with my favorites of the year or my least favorites of the year? Top 10 for each. Uh, do you want to, why don't you just alter, alternate? Oh, okay. Um, okay, cool. Then what I'll do is it's going to, okay. If you're listening on a podcast, it's going to be kind of disorienting, but we're going to start with number 10 for my favorites. 10 is going to be the closest. I don't know. How, how do I explain this? Okay, whatever. The last one of each list is the, the best or worst. So my number one for favorites will be the best of the year. My number one for favorites, though, will, or least favorites, will be the worst of the year for me. Um, okay, we're going to okay. start with... I follow. In number 10 for favorites of 2021, I have Malignant. Oh, that's the movie that should have won all the Oscars this year. <laughs> it's the movie that I keep thinking about <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Every Actually, I meant to write down uh, notable mentions, but Malignant was definitely going to be one of those notable mentions... But it doesn't matter because it's in my top 10. So Yay, yeah. uh, really good time with that one. Uh, you can check out our episode on that to hear much further because we had we had a lot of thoughts. My least favorite for number 10 is Antlers. Did you see Antlers from last year? No, I was going to last night, though, because it's on HBO Max now. So um, OK, so then I won't got explain pretty, too got much. Pretty good. Uh, got pretty good reviews. So. We saw Antlers, I think, right after Malignant. Didn't we see right after Malignant? I could check my letterbox. Is the rest of your worst list just going to like slowly make our listeners angrier and angrier? Comparisons to Malignant. It's like number one's <laughs> Belfast. Like number two, it's like <laughs> Licorice Pizza and King Richard or whatever. I saw one Best Picture nominee and it was Dune. So, oops. Sorry, guys. Uh, usually I do a little better than that. Now, Antlers, I that is in number 10 for my least favorites just because I felt that it was... Um, so one of the things I don't, uh, one of the things I find difficult is when things that cost a lot of money criticize things about money. So like if a movie that costs $10 million wants to, and even though 10 million is pretty low budget for movies, if it's spending $10 million to criticize capitalism, that seems stupid to me because capitalism made that movie happen that's not me saying it's pro-capitalism that means i think it takes away from its capitalistic criticism i understand that like i had a friend say like okay so what someone poor should just criticize capitalism on a blog and i was like well at least it's more authentic than like a rich guy who is making a lot of money working on a movie with another, a bunch of other rich people criticizing a system that people are depending on 
Um, Antlers feels that way, but not about capitalism, more about like West Virginia-esque opioid crisis stuff where it has like a very bleak outlook and hopeless outlook on a very serious problem. Um, It's tasteless uh, in that respect. As for the visual effects being a monster movie, it's pretty cool, but it is long. Uh, The best part is the kid in the beginning, probably the first 40 minutes, because you basically just watch him get dirtier and dirtier. And his performance is very good. Um, I forget. (laughs) I weirdest uh reason to recommend a movie ever it's just it's one of those movies so dirty he gets so gross like he he, well like i i'll just leave it at that it's just it's you watch the movie for the kid's performance as he's just basically like i don't know i i wrote a pretty i think i wrote a decently length review on letterboxd saying like what makes the film enjoyable is the lengths this character and the performer goes to to just basically get stuff done um, because so much gets put on his shoulders. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen the movie, you know what to look forward to. Um, One legitimately terrifying gore scene um, that my eyes were wide (laughs) when it happened um, and really caught me off guard, but was pretty good. Uh, But the film itself, both my wife and I kind of stepped away feeling like way in over their head, uh, whoever wrote and directed it. Um, and not having a particularly uh, positive outlook on a on a problem that is very much solvable. Well, I hope you enjoy it more than I did, at least when you watch it. Okay, know? yeah. And it's like Thank 90 you. minutes, so it feels more longer than 90 minutes, but it's not too bad. Uh, number nine for favorites of 2021 is Pig. Great movie. Very good movie. Excellent. Uh, I'm pretty sure that I heard that it didn't get nominated for anything. No, Nick Cage is, got robbed, baby. That, which is criminal. And this, I'm not. This isn't a joke. Like it's a cr- cr- incredible movie. Nicolas Cage's performance is great in it. But like, it's not just like an acting like showcase for him because he actually gives a very understated performance. Like the movie around him is also really good. Like I love music in it. Uh, every every other performance is great, and the story has such a gentle spirit to it that it's just it's just beautiful it's a nice soft quaint film some of my favorite moments are the moments that do show off his performance while simultaneously being something no one would ever think twice so there's a scene in the film when um nicholas cage visits an old friend and he's visiting their bakery early in the morning when they're preparing the bakery goods Mm, and it's like really early um this is about like the 60 70 minute mark in the movie and the way the scene continues is they're basically catching up. It's clear that they've had an not uh, sexually intimate, but relationally intimate c- right. companionship. And before he leaves, uh, she offers him like some of the goods that he uh, that she made. And he reaches for one and picks one up. And then he puts it down and reaches for another one and then takes another one and he leaves. And something about that just that one <laughs> couple seconds to me felt so soft and sweet and realized as a character um, because of the character being this. Uh, well, I don't want to get into spoilers because even right. who he is is part of the spoilers, but it shows yeah, that... he knows he knows he knows who he is as a character. And mm-hmm. 
to be able to understand basically what's the better pastry to take um, or even just which one he would prefer is very sweet. Uh, I loved that movie. Um, and that was very, very sweet. I it's... wish I cried at the end. I did not get crying feelings at the end because it it's felt like the kind of though. movie. Yeah, it is beautiful. It yeah. seems like the kind of movie that I wanted to have a satisfactory cry, like a world is beautiful. Um, and I'm so ready to to have feelings again kind of thing. But I just didn't, um, which is part yeah. of why I think I gave it like a seven out of 10, I think, or an eight. Because <laughs> I just wanted, to, I want to feel those. That's why I go to the movies is to feel I things. Would, I want to feel scared. I want to feel happy. I want to laugh. So you didn't get it out of me, but I, I really did, yeah. really did love that movie. I would definitely give it a little, little higher than seven out of 10 personally. I probably would give it much an eight as, or nine yeah. at this point, but who knows? But <laughs> it's, yeah, this slow journey of the slow revealing of who Nicolas Cage's character is. It's really fascinating, partially because so much of the movie's marketing was like, this is like John Wick, but with Nick Cage and a pig. And it's so very much not that movie. And it's... But it's enhanced by it being almost expected to be that movie. Yes. Um, yeah. And I felt the same way when I went to see it. And I had a, a decently surprise. packed theater. Like, it was about half the size, and it was a small theater, uh, was filled and i think everyone was expecting that and then when that's not what happens it it has this tender uh the movie itself is when you've done something wrong and you expect someone to grill you for it and then they don't and that's what the movie feels like where you're expecting yeah, violence and anger yeah, and then that's you don't kind get of that putting it. and it's really really sweet and yeah what the movie's ultimately is quote-unquote about is not at all what I thought it would be, but it's, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's also exactly the type of character that like Nicholas Cage pulls off so well. Like there's, there's an eccentricity to his character, but there's also something deep and weighty about who he is. Like his presence really helps sell this character so much. There's still a lot of energy just as much as he had yes. in, in Mandy. It's just exactly. in this movie, the energy is, controlled right there's intensity to his eyes and the way he looks at people and the way he interacts with people that i'm sure there's a lot of other talented actors that could pull it off but so much of like the mystique around nick cage i think is partially what elevates this pig into being something special especially after the last few years in his cast (laughs) where Um, he went from being a joke to like a beloved joke because he's doing weird movies like mandy and willie's wonderland and And you know halloween kills is going to pop up in this discussion somehow but his basic, basically Cage's comeback uh, in this particular age started with David Gordon Green with um, what was the movie John Mud? or our um, oh Joe Joe yeah. yeah I remember it was like 2009 or 2011 that came out and people were like whoa this is some really good performing from Nicolas Cage hey this Academy Award winning actor he's pretty I know. good huh yeah. It's crazy. I, know, I know that I, the Academy gets it wrong sometimes, but I, it's frustrating that so many people are like, Nick Cage is terrible. He's so, worked with Scorsese. No. He's worked with a lot of great performers. And then he got into like debt. So he just needed to do whatever he could. He's, yeah, he had <laughs> so. that period, but he's not, he's not a ta- John Travolta, Bruce Willis. Yeah. 
Thomas Jane when he's not in better thing. It's even like John Travolta, John Cusack, Thomas Jane. These are all talented people. They're well, even just... John Travolta was recognized. I, I forget by who, because uh, he ended up getting a, getting a Best Actors Award for, for Moose. Where was it? What was the... Remember, I posted about it on Cinematic Moose. Doctors Facebook group. I was like, congratulations, John Travolta. Someone recognizes your talent in this movie. Uh, where was it? It was some like Fran- French film festival. Oh, man. Anyways... Not the same though, Nicholas Cage. On the other hand, as, that means that Fred Durst, as a director, has a weirdly <laughs> successful rate in terms of like getting awards from like obscure. Like he directed um, the Education of Charlie Banks, which wasn't a well-reviewed movie necessarily, but it did get some film festival recognition. And now Moose is also <laughs> barely got some <laughs> some French film festival. <laughs> Moose is in the house. <laughs> That movie's so great, but it's just the ending is so mean and nasty that it it it's gets not so mean spirited by the end. It's yeah, it's, it's like weird. it's not one you could just put on with your friends to watch because it gets yeah it's really yeah. Nasty. It's one of those movies you watch a compilation on YouTube of the best parts. Yeah, but, but yeah, what is your so what is your next uh, so not good number movie? nine for my least favorites was and I'm so sorry. Uh, hey, this is a parallel though. Was Willy's Wonderland. The oh, other you didn't, you didn't like Willy's Wonderland. Uh, there were parts of it I enjoyed, um, but it just it never <laughs> it never elevates. Never got beyond <laughs> where it was in in my mind when I it, when I did it the never list, moves so. past the premise of itself. It's just Willy's it's Wonderland Cage. for friends is yeah. for for listeners is Nick Cage in Five Nights at Freddy's. Yep, that's the and movie. he doesn't really talk <laughs> or really do anything except murder robots. He he murders robots. It's the joke is that he's in Five Nights at Freddy's, but he's completely unbothered by being in Five Nights at Freddy's. And the robot. So when you think it's supposed to be mysterious, you think it's supposed to be mysterious at first that the guy who hires him says, and by the way, don't forget to take your breaks. Um, but then it's a legitimate thing that like he's fighting a robot, destroying it. And then like his timer goes off and break time. And then the robots respect it. They like, yeah. he also takes a break and the robots are like, oh, okay. <laughs> he plays pinball and drinks energy drinks. Yeah. Um, yeah, whatever. Mostly forgettable. Almost entirely forgot that I'd watched that movie. Um, it had parts that I enjoyed. Not enough. And even the animatronic stuff wasn't particularly great. Right. Uh, one gore kill I thought was really fun. At the end, it got me to cheer, but that was about it. Um, I, yeah. Gore that I'm not expecting is the kind that makes me cheer, right. uh, which is why it's so amazing that I just cheered the entire time during Dead Alive, but we'll talk about that <laughs> some other time. <laughs> of the perfect film. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I genuinely am starting to believe it the more I think about that movie. I'm so glad you finally checked it out. <laughs> we have to talk about r- it on the Rambling show. about it for years now. It's but, so funny. Yeah, Willy's Wonderland. It's I was amused by it. It's it's not nearly as good or funny or cool as it should be. It it starts with a cool premise and they never wanted to do more with it. And the yeah. central one joke for me, it was enough to get me to like through the movie. But yeah, I I haven't thought about it since I watched it. Doesn't so. he keep getting new T-shirts, though? Like, yes. The T-shirt gets bloody T-shirt from killing or the, oily. And so he just yeah, gets a or, new one. Yeah. I thought that was fun. But they're the kind of gags you would get in like a serialized YouTube series, uh, yeah. which are funny gags at times. But if Nicolas Cage wasn't in the movie, no one would watch it. Nobody would watch it. 
Number eight on my favorites of 2021. Remember, I only watched 44 movies this year, so we're already, we're covering half, a little less than half right now. Um, but uh, was Candyman for number eight? I really kind of like the Candyman 2021 movie. Yeah. I I good. know that that's I know that this is the movie that's on most people's most disappointed of the year list, um, biggest disappointment or biggest letdown. But I kind of like, and most of the time people will say that because it's not subtle or because it wasn't scary. But I like that it both wasn't particular. I mean, I found it thrilling. I don't know if I found it scary, although Candyman still has a presence that's pretty effective. But I actually felt that the fact that it's so blunt with its uh, social commentary to be to its benefit when every day blunt social commentary hits people in the face and then they still defend the January 6 riots or not or or spreading va- uh vaccine theories and like false information i think that's actually to its benefit i know that uh fans of film and cinema are they they want slow pan scenes of scenery and all you have is uh a skull on the floor to which i would direct people to neil breen if that's what they want <laughs> But that's what they're more interested in than two characters sitting on a couch talking about social issues, which, frankly, is quite typical anyway. So, yeah, I had that pretty high up and it kind of stuck there for a while. Yeah. CR review for for their discussion. Yeah. I, I Before this we recorded, I was like, man, I haven't really watched anything this year. And so far, I've seen almost every movie you've mentioned. <laughs> so, so Well, my next least favorite of 2021 is it's number eight spiral from the book of Saul. did you see this one no no i heard it described as a 90 minute csi episode and that is extremely accurate uh starring chris rock that sounds kind of (laughs) awesome so and frankly his stuff was okay but man who directed that um the guy it's the same guy who directed two and three for yeah Derry lynn bozeman i don't like the editing that he does he also did four i do not like three and i don't think i liked four for saw uh no i i didn't mind four um his editing is nuts it's just nuts and he doesn't <laughs> i just don't think he sees time in a linear way and i don't mean that in like a creative tarantino way i mean like i just don't know I don't know what his eyes see that mine don't, but anyways, it's, it's, it's quite it's a the mess. sound bite you just recorded. <laughs> it's just not good. Um, it's like got some interesting stuff to it in theory, but like the first poster, it's so, it's funny. Posters are really powerful. They really can catch your attention. The first poster was just Chris Rock in a foggy street. Uh, the street lamp was red and it was a spiral and the aesthetic to me was like, okay, so it's, it's going to be a cop in a town and ev- everything's misty. It's hard to see through it. And the implication could just be that like anything could be a trap and this new <laughs> saw person because, because man, they made the wrong choice killing him in the third movie. But this movie was going to be try to be bigger than itself and then the movie was just a another saw movie like it didn't do anything different and then it didn't even have particularly good like 
tense moments. I think there was one moment that got me that was pretty good in terms of not got me as in like scared, but like got me to like tense up because I was like, oh, no, please don't show me. They're going to hurt hurt this guy and it's going to make I'm going to feel it because, you know, uh, you put a toothpick under your toe and then you kick a wall like that immediately gives you a reaction of like that. That is the worst idea in the world. Um, So it had like one kill that was like that. But then the movie just kind of ends like it, it literally like <laughs> the way it ends is so quick. And then the credits just start. And my wife and I just started laughing because it was so fast. So, um, yeah, number eight on my least favorite. That was not not too good. It's pretty, uh, pretty popular choice for bad movie list this year, I think, or or stinkers. Yeah. And I think it's also on the disappointment list, too, with Candyman. But oh, my goodness, drastically different in quality. Number seven on my favorites of 2021 was Cruella. That <laughs> what that that popped really early Whoa. for me this year. I really like that. That's one. a hot hot take. I I also saw Cruella. I I think the first half of it's really fun, and then it just keeps going. You're saying it's a hot take, and it's got a 3.5 average on Letterbox. <sighs> and if you look at the ranking, well, the I think like seven best of, of the year. I saw 44 <laughs> movies this year <laughs> and the rest are basically I mean, Disney. So yeah, I'm I guess, sorry. I guess, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's like, a uh, like, yeah, I wouldn't say it's like, Ooh, it was terrible. It's more just like, I don't know. I was, a little, I think maybe my expectation, like I love Emma Stone in it. She's terrific. So good, but she's, she's great everywhere. Excellent. So it doesn't yeah. matter. Like she's so director yeah. independent. She Paul can Walter just be Hauser's there. Paul in it. And it's super good. All the acting is great. And the movies great. It looks great. It's just, it's just, I just, the story, I don't know. It just, it just tapers off by the end. I don't know. That's all I got for that one. I, it just, I saw it pretty early in the year because that's when it came out and it was a really fun time. It's, so a, it's fun. It's just, I don't know. For me, I, I, do, I, I have mixed feelings about the idea of like, we're going to make a Coral Deville movie, but like, she doesn't actually kill dogs or hate dogs. She's just, I was really hoping that she was going to do it. Yeah, right. I know that that's like kind like, of sinister, but like I was like, that would have been great. But then what's her for me? It was just like, OK, so she's just a really savvy fashion designer. I just like, so what is this character now? It was very I feel like they took what would made the character the character and removed it. And instead, no, they, they only to, did it for 20 minutes and then out of a two, two hour and 10 minute movie. It's so long. <laughs> I think if it was shorter. I would have liked it a lot better. This also I saw pretty much. Pretty soon after coming out of Impatient. So maybe I was just like, yes, I'm back. To <laughs> movies. movies. I love it. <laughs> yeah. This uh, one's got a star in it. And it was know? great in Dolby, too. So that was pretty good. Yeah, um, I saw it in Disney Plus way after the fact. So that also might have affected my opinion. This, I, I, have, I have this. I mentioned this thought frequently on the podcast that because I have seen old, over 1,300 movies now, I think. I think exactly 1,300 movies. Uh, let me see. It might not be true. To 12.99 dang it guys i lied by <laughs> one sinned before the lord <laughs> but like i've seen a lot of movies and i have a movie podcast that we've been doing for three years people assume also that like my aesthetics are just going to be like independent films weird french cinema uh criterion releases exclusively so to see cruella this just 100 popcorn flick in my top 10 uh, which I only saw 44 movies <laughs> from last year. Um, and that's including the fast pass video that, <laughs> that um, defunct land did. Cause that was a letterbox. So I put it on um, to be in, to have Cruella in the list, but like Cruella is just as good as any other movie. It's 
it's I understand like we've had you and I personally have had a discussion about like quality and calling a movie good or not and like what constitutes it. So like maybe in that degree, it's like rules, not as good as Coda. Melvin, you need to go watch Coda. Why didn't you watch Coda this year? But I didn't. And Cruella was really, really fun. Um, And that's that. Uh, (laughs) So I'm not going to defend myself for what I like. Even though I just did. Uh, least favorites. Number seven is Fear Street 1994. Did you watch, watch those? No. I keep meaning to watch those. And a lot of people on horror Twitter seem to really like them. So they're pretty cool. Uh, 1994 was mostly bad. Uh, and then they get better. <laughs> they get genuinely okay. better. Um, 1994 is too long. Um, some of the logic. See, now on It Follows, like the ending is kids trying to solve a problem and if you try and wrap your mind around it it doesn't make sense this kind of resigned themselves to like this is just kind of life now if i remember it follows um no i mean like when they're gonna try and capture the creature oh by yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah using I a toaster saying, yeah, yeah. in a in a tub like it's yeah, a <laughs> stuff like that is why i wasn't as big on it follows as everyone else was but <laughs> uh, stuff like that was why i was as big uh, on it follows as everybody else like but... what <laughs> I had a um, really bad It Falls theater experience, though. So. Did people laugh? Uh, someone started watching pornography on their phone with the volume oh on. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, that and is, everyone, all their friends you, were laughing. You have the worst movie experiences <laughs> on the planet. <laughs> everyone in the theater just wasn't vibing with the movie, so nobody said anything. They didn't shush them or whatever. They were just like, oh, I'm not liking the movie. It's, <laughs> it's whatever. It was that very weird. That movie terrifying. Um Man, I like a lot of things about it. I, I've thought about rewatching it because I was like, Dan, you didn't give that movie a fair shake because of the horrendous experience you had at the theater. <laughs> so uh, that movie's good. Uh, anyways, <laughs> what I'm saying is it follows a good movie. <laughs> Moving on. Fear Street 99, 1994, though, um, a little overly long. Uh, I've talked with another friend who also felt that the weird sexuality in the movie is strange because they're all minors, especially one character. Um, so that's weird. Leigh Janik, the director, has a lot to explain about this <laughs> for all of the sexuality in all three movies. Um, totally skippable. But the ending caught, has a scene that is a gore kill that caught me off guard, so I cheered. <laughs> and it was a really, it was a kill I'd never seen before. And it, I almost would like watch the movie just to get there again because I think it's kind of gross to just Google death scene from movie unless it's like silly scenes i don't know if like some from something shout out like, to one perfect headshot on twitter so or what is twitter it the account. red letter media clip from death wish where it's just death wish four and he's just shooting everybody <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like that where it's just like it's just a lot of great like action movie like scenes and i think it start it started it started as more just like here's a cool guy getting killed but you run out of those clips eventually so it also they just show like cool action scenes, cool moments from like action and horror films. So does he also have just the one clip of RoboCop shooting everybody in the penis? <laughs> I, I think he included the one with like the guy getting mowed down by the robot. The, you know what I mean? Where like, he just slowly keeps getting cut apart by the guns. So, <laughs> well, anyways, fear street, 1994, <laughs> as you can running. tell, not that interesting, but almost necessary to enjoy the other two movies. Um, okay. And honestly, not, terrible but um the second movie in the series is better because of the camp aesthetic which i always just i really love i just love the camp aesthetic i think there's something really fun and adventurous and you have a lot of fun stuff you can do with that uh and then the last one uh 
think it's 1669. Uh, I have the list right here. Why don't I just go look? Um, yeah, 1978 is the second one. 1666 is part three. The first one is like a slasher. The second one is like a camp slasher. And then the third one is like a paranormal dread horror, um, which then turns into basically Mortal Kombat. Uh, you just got to watch it. Um, anyways, doesn't matter, though. That first one's bad. Uh, favorites of 2021. We are now on number six. Spider-Man No Way Home. We don't even need to really talk about that what there else needs else to be wanted, said so. is there anything else you wanted to say about no way home uh it actually is i actually enjoyed it um i watched it a third time in theaters because my wife wanted to see it and it's just as good third time because the things that make the movie enjoyable i'm not saying it's like citizen kane or whatever but the things that make it enjoyable are those emotional high points and getting to experience those again with my wife who specifically loves spider-man and daredevil uh, spoilers uh, but like getting to enjoy those like big emotional highs where characters show up and the cameos but also like the f- the fun character arcs and everything mm-hmm. those things playing out in a theater that was still packed weeks later um that's wow just, really that's yeah that's um that's the movies that's part of what makes the going to the movies a magical and fun time so that stuff just remains good the third time i saw it i Maybe if you watch it at home alone and Disney Plus or HBO Max or wherever it ends up, because I know the distribution rights for streaming for Spider-Man movies are weird. It won't be as good an experience, but like, I don't think some people will be like, oh, it's just a popcorn movie. But like penalizing a movie for being specifically good in a movie theater is extremely stupid criticism of a movie, in my opinion. So, yeah, it's Spider-Man, man. I love Spider-Man. That's like if you were to criticize uh, roller, like if you you go ride a roller coaster cool it's really cool but if you can't preserve the experience of the roller coaster on roller coaster tycoon then it wasn't a good roller coaster <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's just especially silly. when so many like artsy fartsy people are like this movie is made to be experienced in a movie theater like don't stream it on your phone yeah and then it's just like two people talking in a cafe like yeah. all right that's lame this movie was shot on an iphone so i think i'm allowed to watch it on an iphone come on <laughs> Uh, okay, number six on least favorites, Eternals, another parallel. Uh, this is a Marvel movie. Oh, uh, hey. Eternals was lame. Too long. Movies that feel their length is is an objective bad. Um, I was talking to Catherine about how all a movie kind of needs is to be kind of okay and then have one good scene, or even if the movie's kind of bad and have one good scene, and then it's good. Case in point, the first Annabelle movie, I kind of like because it's weirdly a character drama mom horror, and then has one really good terrifying scene in the middle. Um, really, really effective scene that I thought was great. Triggered the full flight or flight, um, part of my brain, uh, while watching it. Uh, and the best part of course is the doll wasn't in it. Cause the Annabelle doll objectively is a disgusting prop, not because it's made to look disgusting, but because it's like how, you know how like in like invader Zim, there's characters made to look ugly. Yes. That's what Annabelle looks like. <laughs> Where it's just like it, the doll looks terrible. I cannot believe that they okayed that design. Um Eternals has no scenes in it that I liked at all. I did not like wow. a single scene in that movie. And so it's just boring. Um and I just feel like it was a sort of movie. I think I described it to you in the episode, or maybe I didn't, and I was irritated I didn't, but it is a movie that is so full of imitation that it never feels realized which is weird because 
Chloe Zhao didn't know that they were going to win Best Picture for doing their own thing. And they were trying so hard, I feel like, to just do Denis Villeneuve-style stuff in a Marvel movie that it just ends up not working. Um, it's too long. It's too long. Yeah. You, you, you disliked it more than I did, but it's, I know. it is a movie that is so kind of forgettable for all its, for all its things in it. The, the best part is the memes. When it got back on Disney Plus, it was like this meme renaissance where people just had to watch the movie so they could understand the memes. Well, I will say that right now on our Marvel Studios or our comic book movie or what are there in Twitter and parts of Marvel Twitter, there's a million billion posts and tweets and comments about like, why is everyone's this movie's bad? This movie's great. So I mean, to some of the some of the Marvel faithful, it's uh, you know it's it's a fine movie. So if you like it, you like it. I'm glad that you saw a movie you liked. And um, but yeah, I agree. It's just it's just way too long, and not much happens, and the characters are kind of flat and boring to me. We did an episode on it, so especially getting into the Marvel Netflix series, which I've been doing, which we'll get into eventually, maybe (laughs) in another episode. Who knows? But Marvel Netflix series and seeing the highs of of narrative quality that you can get to. And then Eternals kind of wanted to try that, but with the movies, uh, I don't know. It's just, I, I have seen what can be done and Eternals was not it. So anyways, moving on, uh, we are at favorites of 2021. Number five, Loki. Loki was a blast. I really show it's counted on letterbox for some reason. So it's here. Um, so, and, a couple uh, miniseries, even though that one specifically says we're going to come back with season two. Who knows um, what that means? But maybe it means it's a, a separate show. I don't know. For Letterboxd to keep it on there. Who cares? Loki was number five. Um, I really enjoyed the week-to-week experience of theorizing on what was happening and going on. So that experience was good. I really enjoyed the show itself and the characters i enjoyed the visual effects it was a tv show that did not have bad special effects which is really nice i don't know what we did an episode on this too what we else did there talk about? we did it it to me it 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 ages well like thinking about it because you know when you're watching a show especially a big like hype internet culture show you can get caught up in it and the week to week yeah the week to week experience of like what's going to happen next can kind of overwhelm a show's shortcomings, but I feel like Loki for me, it's just it is a matter of taste, and it just hits a lot of those right like. And it's only in my six brain. episodes, right? It's, it's relatively short. It's a good length. It's really good length. It's space stuff. It's alien stuff. I really like the characters. I love the one above the one who remains, and that kind of stuff at the end. And as far as the Marvel Disney Plus shows, I definitely think it's higher tier. It's I know really good. I know WandaVision is everyone's critical favorite, but Loki in terms of being a fun show is definitely was more fun. And yeah, I, I don't really have much else to add about it, I suppose, other than I really hope the other Marvel Disney plus shows re- get retain it together. that quality. <laughs> yeah. Get it together. Cause, cause Loki consistently. It's not as good as a lot of Netflix shows is still in my opinion. Um, it's more fantastical than the Netflix well, yeah, shows. More, yeah. But right. I think it has the same quality of focus that the Netflix shows have in terms of picking a theme or tone and then having everything affect it. And I think even though the the show gets is funnier and has a lot more fantastical things going on and because it's 
I mean, the Marvel Netflix shows was always like, are these canon? I mean, they kind of are, but <laughs> nothing. Like, Loki was just like, okay, it's canon. Um, so they could just do a lot more. And yet, it still retains its tone and theming consistently yes. throughout. It it does also disappoints your being relatively within the constraints of the genre, so to speak. It is relatively unique and different. While something like Falcon and a Soldier, and to an extent, Hawkeye a little bit, feel very restrained by their what franchise they exist in you know in I mean? loki i could see black characters having a discussion about the n-word just like, in <laughs> like, cage. like in cage. <laughs> but right. i could not imagine that in falcon and winter soldier or in hawkeye um so take take that sound bite internet so <laughs> who knows who knows what's going on um but yeah loki holds up i think and i want to rewatch it because i i think um i think if i watched a loki as a break between the marvel netflix series that i'm going through just to save me from iron fist oh yikes but i would probably feel just just as much uh i don't know it would just work it would just feel like i'm watching one of those again just with a much higher budget for special effects um but they really did like using that one hallway in the tva uh but i guess that could be a star trek <laughs> thing uh least favorites of 2021 number five dear evan hansen We've already of, said enough. We've <laughs> it. We, I'm just going to say three right episodes of it. Said enough. <laughs> Go check out those three episodes. They're all very good. And I'm going to pat myself on the back. Props to my editing for cutting them at pretty good times. Like the first one is good banter of like just the absurd nature of particular parts of the episode or parts of the movie, more technical stuff. The second episode is more of the broader, um, philosophy that you can take from it and then the third part is just a really good follow-up from daniel so i i will say um if you want non not our voices there's great episodes of other shows that cover it in different ways jay nicholson is a great technical blow by blow look at the movie sarah zed does a more sympathetic look and specifically talks about the nature of adapting a musical to a movie and the flop house has a great funny uh episode on dear evan hansen so Look up all those also if you don't want to just listen to like a three-part series we did on this one movie. If you want to get into 2021's movie punching bag just a couple months <laughs> late, then this is well, this is the movie for The you. one thing I'll add is it's an interesting different Hansen's an interesting movie to pick apart because it's not just something like we just we talked about moose, right? Where it's just like it's a you know bad goofy movie. People go to the movies and laugh at the movie kind of thing. There's a lot of actual meat to dig into Dear Evan Hansen. Like compose totally. where there's things about the reason it gets such a reaction is because of the thematic material, how it's handled, the there are behind the scenes decisions, and so there's actually a lot you can learn about the medium from looking at the ways in which Jeremy Hansen sort of fails, as well as talking about learning some things about musicals you maybe didn't know, or um, also just like maybe the nature of trying to reach beyond your grasp in terms of the types of messages you want to say. So um, unless you're sick of hearing about Dear Evan Hansen at this point, because you might be like a movie <laughs> person who's watched 50 YouTube videos, listened to hundred podcasts about it already. But so before we lose your attention, we'll move on to yeah. my favorites of 2021. Number four, Judas and the black Messiah. Did you watch this one? <laughs> no. Why are I you laughing not. at me? I, I, you just <laughs> that came out it. this year okay, yeah. <laughs> or last year. It works. Sorry. Just the fact you just kept mentioning it. I actually did not um, 
it's on something streaming that I could watch it. So. Uh, HBO Max. and What a great it, service. They don't sponsor us, but I wish they did because I constantly talk about how much I like their service. It is it is wild that the two characters that are both named in the title got nominated for supporting actor for the Oscars of that year. <laughs> it's just, if you want to talk about systematic racism, maybe this isn't the place to start it, but you could call it systematic stupidity because it was just, that was, that was so dumb. Um <laughs> I just don't understand. I guess neither of them are the leads at the Academy. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I, I, I do feel like that's more just them being incompetent than me. racism, maybe. <laughs> I, yeah. That's just my reading it's of it. It's objectively more disgusting and funnier at the same time to think it's racism. Yeah. Um, because, <laughs> I mean, sure. the, why? Why are they both? Uh, anyways. And they were great. They both were. Okay. All right. Uh, it's a great movie. My number four. It's really good. It was my number one for a really long time. Uh, but okay, least favorites, and honestly, it might move because uh, I don't know. Put a disclaimer: this is all subject to change. This is just how it was now. In fact, this is as I was writing this down, like for my notes, I was like, "Do I really still think that?" I think I but, like Cruella better. You said I'm actively moving it to number <laughs> one right now. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this stuff changes all the time. I was pretty locked into my, tw- um, I think it was 2018 list. And then I saw like eighth grade, like months later. Mm-hmm. And that popped right up. To Bef- before one. we get into it, is number two Halloween Kills the number one the Halloween Kills director's like, cut or whatever? <laughs> it's actually number 12 on my list. So it did uh, not make it uh, up here. So I'm so sorry. Barb and Star is number 11. Shout out mm-hmm. to Chris Darren. Thank you so much for recommending that one. Because that was great. Uh, least favorites, number four. Uh, a week away, another musical, a uh, Christian faith-based musical that was on Netflix that nobody mm-hmm. saw because everybody, every Christian, every good Christian. So you're a bad Christian if you have Netflix, but every good Christian canceled their Netflix after uh, Cuties came out. So a week away, though, is was recommended to me by a friend. So I don't want to, you know, cut it t- too much. But man, it was not good. Um the music, I guess, was okay, um, but it was just mostly plain. Um, you know, I'm struggling to th- give a reason for why I didn't like this one. I just know I didn't like it, and then I think my brain just like took that folder out of the cabinet <laughs> and just put it right into the shredder. Oh, yeah. um, well, there's... I think that, I think that says more than anything else you could say. Could say. Yeah, like my my mind has been wiped of all memories of this movie. I know, I know. Here's here's what I do know. So there's the reason we covered Dear Evan Hansen at the time is I did a Patreon vote for people who support the Patreon. Go support the Patreon. Um, they had to choose between two musicals from 2021. Um, they were both musicals I did not like or did not expect to like. So Dear Evan Hansen, I did not expect to like. And then A Week Away, which I didn't like. And I said, pick. And when I told Catherine that's what they were, she said, I I am praying we don't get a week away. <laughs> so uh, moving on to favorites of 2021. We are now in my top three. Number three is Dune. Daniel, did you see Dune? I don't know. Did you see that? I can't remember. I don't know. Did you repeatedly ask me if I'd seen it? Did you see that? On our show? I don't remember. It, it might have happened. I did see it. I saw it in theaters. I saw it with my friends and I liked it. Good movie. Okay. We it was on streaming at the exact same time, but you refused to record an episode with me on it until us I saw it in theaters. As both Denny Villeneuve I still and have not gotten that thank you card. David Lynch's ghost intended, so he's um, not dead. But 
I fully believe he's both believes in a corporeal and astral form at all times. The insidious uh, movies are based on David Lynch's life. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's quite good. And it's nominated for best picture. And it's, it's one of those movies that simultaneously brings film Twitter and the Academy together in, in joyous uh, union. So it gets better in my mind, the more I think about it. Uh, it's, it's good. It's memorable. It's, it's, it's it leaves an impression it's very striking and interpretable i like that you can yeah. have discussions about scenes that some scenes are clear and then other ones are not and you can just talk about that the, th- the main thing i remember is just the music like the the way the movie sounds <laughs> too. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> just the, you know and uh, that's great <laughs> that's the thing i remember and obviously the, all the acting and performance is great and the, all that and i think i i i'll repeat it if i didn't if I already did say it, but I, um, I, there are people, there are directors that people just sort of swoon after. And I sort of just, am like, I just like movies. So it doesn't matter. So when like a new movie from a big guy comes out, like a Nolan or, uh, like a Villeneuve or an Edgar Wright, I, although some of them like Edgar Wright, I was just excited to see Soho anyway, but like directors like that were like, I almost, anticipate going to the movie and being like frustrated at pretension like uh oh this person has this person has started following their their um praises and now they're gonna make the movie that uh lets me know how good they are like actively as opposed to just making a movie and i really was expecting dune to do that not because i think lowly of denis Villeneuve, but because i guess i don't know i'm cynical or tired i don't know but then when Dune opens with a poem in a foreign land, in a fake original throat singing language, I felt good. I was like, all right, we're going to be okay. <laughs> so number three, that was a good one. Uh, least favorites of 2021. Number three is Land. Robin Wright's directorial debut, I think. I think it was a directorial debut. That may not be accurate, but she write, wrote, directed, and starred in it. Uh, did you see land? I did not see land. No. Don't watch it. It's boring. Um, okay. I am sorry if the one person I saw this with who really, really liked it, who I also really love this person. And I'm sure they'll never listen to the podcast. But if this is the one that they listen to, I'm sorry. I did not like it. I did not like it when we watched it. Who, who are these mysterious people that you are beholden to? Uh, uh, they talk to me in my sleep. Uh, number two favorites <laughs> of 2021 is WandaVision. Really? Okay. Wow. I I loved WandaVision. I absolutely love WandaVision. I do. So you have told me how the Marvel Netflix shows and just Netflix shows in general until recently had a primary issue of being too long. And I think WandaVision may actually be in that category. I want to watch it again to find out. But I also felt like when I was watching it, it was at the right pace of the entire time um, and how it engaged its themes and tone again which also yeah had really strong theme and tone just like loki just like the marvel netflix shows the good ones um and so yeah i i really liked it it's coverage of grief guilt shame um specifically the fact that it's a character the protagonist basically doing a horrible thing and then having (laughs) to like learn to not do that thing knowing that it's damaging to other people i think is something anyone can relate to it when they start understanding how sin works in their own life and then how they uh you know can learn to love and and trust love and and trust right. god now in wandavision it's not god but you know what i mean um, yeah yeah and i think and being permitted to experience grief 
because of love is awesome. So I, I really liked WandaVision. Um, right. Yeah. And it's in, again, kudos to them for going with a little more experimental weird show. I know it's like cliche to Pat Marvel in the back. Anytime they do anything that's even remotely different from what they usually do. But in the case but of WandaVision, actually I, was. Yeah. I think different. it's more warranted. The gimmicks um, all work. I will say, I think a weakness is that the character arc of the Scarlet, Witch is still ongoing. Like it can, it, theoretically might conclude in Doctor Strange where she again this is speculation based on the trailer but she might be like the villain of that movie and I do think the move the show ends at a weird note where like Monica Rambeau is like they'll never know it you gave up for them and it's just like I don't think that, that matters to them she enslaved them so it ends at that weird note where they I think they're trying to leave it ambiguous like well maybe she's still good or whatever when clearly the arc of her character is that all the things she's going through is pushing her over the edge into, into villainy, um, which we'll likely see in Doctor Strange too. So I think the fact that again is beholden to the Marvel machine a little bit, where her character arc is being stretched out a little bit to to segue into a movie. But other than that, I think it's great. I think the emotional beats it hits are really powerful. The last episode, it's I'm getting honest. It's yeah, it's it's emotion. It get it got emotion out of me. It got me to tear up a little bit. Like she's kissing her children goodbye. <laughs> which is just horrible and heartbreaking and, and <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. the, i love the i love the ambiguity of who is vision in this that she's experiencing and they point out it really doesn't matter what matters is like what he meant to her and what role he's playing in her life and, and what a good solilo is it solilo- soliloquy the right word uh just the monologue that he has uh, yeah. about love and about himself that's great and it's, super it, it's good. become a little memed and how much how much people initially loved it like what is grief if not love persisting oh you know but it's a good line I, <laughs> if let's not, not pretend the entire like, marvel canon now where everything's just about grief <laughs> yeah it's caution it's, it's, a, it's a solid show and i i hope yeah again i hope the lessons is like more wandavisions more loki's more things like the netflix shows because uh, that's what people seem to really really like so yeah I liked WandaVision. We did an episode on it, I'm sure, right? We did. That was one of the first when we came back. Yeah. Um, Least favorites of 2021. Number two, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. (laughs) Big yikes on that one. I I often remember our episode when we we recorded, and I said how I was in the theater, and I said, I leaned forward because I physically felt embarrassed to be in a theater where no one else (laughs) knew I was there, and no one else knew who I was. And then you went, Oh my gosh, me too. <laughs> like I uh I don't know. I okay, I love movies because they make me feel things and maybe embarrassment sometimes, but this movie was like I described it as like it's like you're in the bathroom and just people walk into your stall. Like that's what that movie <laughs> felt like to me. So, yeah, it's not bi- good. big nope. I don't like yeah. it. I I I do like some of the songs in the soundtrack. <laughs> like the rap <laughs> songs I released. Um it's it's just such a nothing movie. Like it's it feels like I'm watching the first Venom movie again with like alternate scenes. It feels like the kind of movie when you're when Sony is just like, forget it. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? I, I don't, I'm just going to get if... absolved into the machine. Yeah, we're going to have a post credit scene that vaguely ties into Spider-Man <laughs> and then and not really. It's, which, yeah, it. Uh, I don't great. know what I said about Carnage in the pre- in our episode on it, but I will say that like looking back on it, Carnage is not that interesting character of the comics, but even then they didn't really do much with him in the movie. And then they kill him. It's it. It's over. They what can't the do heck? anything now. And we'll see how it ties into Morbius, I guess. 
Okay, so I'm going to change this up. Before I go into the number one favorite of 2021, I'm going to give you my – I'm going to do another least favorite. I'm going to do my least favorite of 2021. Number one, He's All That, the Netflix follow-up to She's All That. Uh, I watched this specifically because it had bad ratings. And <laughs> it and oh is, boy, did it deliver? Yeah, well, I guess I, guess I should put it to number one of this year because it delivered exactly what I expected. It's super bad. I... And like, okay, yeah. Oh, Melvin, you watched a bad movie and you called it bad. Wow, good, good podcast. No, it's really, really bad. Like, it is... Every single choice is wrong. It is gross it is not funny it is strange because they're all minors and then they're going to like pool parties and there's like models it's weird and like it uh it's i almost don't want to describe it i just want to i want to be a bad person and tell people to watch it like i just don't get i'm gonna do it yeah go watch it you won't i bet you won't don't you got just do it you gotta freaking watch this it's 90 minutes get some popcorn it's it's just terrible. And then you get to the end and Matthew Lillard shows up and that's kind of great because he's an actor and everybody else was extras, even the people who are main characters. So um, if, if you are the kind of person who likes the idea of hitting yourself against the wall, just because it feels so good to stop, you got to watch while he's all that because it is, it is the, it is the medicine you've been asking for. Daniel, have you watched He's All That? No. Have you ever watched movies specifically because you knew that they were going to be bad? Oh, yeah, definitely. But well, like, then... I only watch funny, bad, bad movies on purpose. Or if we were forced to because of like a Patreon poll or something. Do you ever explore, though? Like you don't have someone filter for you. You'll kind of just go search for bad movies just to watch and be like, OK, this is poorly rated. Let me check it out. Uh, sometimes I used to when I have more free time on my hand granted these days I don't really have a lot of free time just to, <laughs> to peruse bad movies and watch them that's what other podcasts and YouTube shows are for but like I'll watch like certain like video like I'll watch like uh, Dan Olson's whole series on the 50 Shades of Grey series uh, films <laughs> where he he understandably gives him negative reviews but he points out like the nature of adapting a book to film and some of the good alterations that the first film did uh, where the writer and director duo did their very best to try and turn, um, you know, lead to gold with that. And then how subsequent films, because E.L. James got more creative control were just tanked and horrible because the source material was so bad to begin with. But no, I'm not going to watch. He's all that <laughs> based Dang. on your, I just, life is too short, Melvin. <laughs> I, I don't have time to watch all these movies on me for Oscars or some of your other ones that you put on your best list. I'm I'd like gonna... to counterpoint life is going to be an eternal ex- period of existence. And therefore, I guess there's not, not going to be a lot of he's all that movies. You can there, so. Time. so you got to do it now. This is exclusive <laughs> to this age. That's what we got to start advertising these things as cinematic doctrine podcast exclusive to this age. <laughs> not in heaven. We're not, Listen we're now. Not, we're not continuing it in heaven, boys. In the we new heavens and new now. earth, there will not be a cinematic doctrine too. you know. <laughs> if it's so good, why isn't there cinematic doctrine too? Uh, okay. You, anyone who could have guessed this, if they listened to the podcast the whole year, um, maybe they would have had to hold their fingers together because they Super didn't know. Super Mario Brothers 2. <laughs> <laughs> That's a yeah. reference. Uh, I understood that reference. Thank you. Uh, Captain America voice. Favorite of 2021, Bo Burnham's Inside. It did not change at all this year. Um, maybe that would have changed if I watched other movies, but I genuinely don't think it would have. 
Um, I really love this and I've only watched it the one time and it, it feels like I will have to expend energy to watch it again, not because it's so hard to press play and not even because it's like a movie that I don't want to watch, but I want to, or like kind of that. I think anybody who's a, a movie guy who has a watch list, it's like, if it hits the watch list, it's work. But if it's just the Netflix queue, I'll just check it out kind of thing. Um, no, I feel like it's going to take work because it's going to, I'm going to connect with it again. And that's going to be exhausting uh, in a way that I'm not quite prepared for. Um, it's interesting because Waves is exhausting. And I still love that movie. I think it's probably in my top 10 movies ever. It's in my top four right now. I, I realized it's about time it goes there. Um, and that movie is an emotional, exhausting film. And I hope in 2022, we talk about it. I know you keep memeing with me that you're never going to watch it, but I really want to, um, please stand. I just want to watch it. Um, <laughs> but I can never watch it again until it's for the podcast. Um, that's not true. I'll watch it anyway. Um, <laughs> for a brief second, I was like, no, we definitely did a video on our video. We definitely did an episode on that. I was like, oh no, no, no. Melvin just <laughs> no. keeps asking to do one. <laughs> you keep wanting to talk like, about ah, it. Yeah, I know you're going to like it. So that's why like, I just want to do yeah. it. But I also kind of, I don't know. I, I've seen ways a lot and it's exhausting. Um, and it still hits just right. I love that movie. Um, and yet Bo Burnham's on the other side of the spectrum where like, if it's, if the spectrum was like, what's the four quadrants of like a uh, positive exhaustion, this is like negative exhaustion in the best kind of positive way where inside is just so, uh, it's not even that it's because it's specifically the experience of <laughs> the, uh, caricaturized version of Bo Burnham in, in 2020. It's just so intimate uh, about life and thoughts. And like it, it covers the thoughts you think it, the intrusive thoughts that you don't say out loud that people only recently, I feel like have started to get comfortable because of the anonymity of the internet to do and to even comfortably watch this with a friend, I think would be very difficult for me. Um, because it's so, uh, it, it's such an exposure, um, to, to think about. And it's funny because it's also incredibly funny. Like it's a really, 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 really funny special. Um, and I often think about it. And for a while I had actually kept listening to the soundtrack and I kept laughing to it. Um, but then it hits the, these songs that are just really, and these lyrics that are so painful that, and, and in the right kind of way that i i still love it and so it's still my number one i i it's gonna be really hard to see it ever change as i watch more movies from 2021 whenever that happens or if i catch up with best pictures but i just i don't think it's gonna change uh daniel did you watch did you watch bo burnham inside a <laughs> funny yeah. joke did you watch it I mean, he's no weird Al, uh, but <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, also, we got a boomer over here. <laughs> it's no Lonely Island. I referenced the Lonely Island the other day, and none of the kids in college group knew what I was talking about. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Also, like the generational divide, where someone I know who's older, who's in their forties, tried to watch Bo Burnham's Inside, and about fifteen minutes in, they just said, "I can't stand this guy anymore," and just turned it off. Yeah, I was talking to someone else who is older who said they put it on for a bit and they couldn't take it, not because it's abrasive, but they just weren't into it. So they just turned it off. Too. Yeah. And uh, tw film Twitter is semi turned on this movie a little bit. I've seen some interesting criticism of yeah. like, um, what it's is like it? White it's like anxiety or something suburban like that. white anxiety. Yeah. yeah. 
which I mean, okay, sure, whatever. But <laughs> I don't think that invalidates either his feelings or the feelings that it caused other people to experience and watching it. Like, I don't think it's some untarnished masterpiece or something, but I definitely enjoyed it. And I definitely related to some of the things he's talking about by virtue of being the same age as him. And I think, I think there's something about being in that same generation of people who are his age, who grew up with the internet the way that we did and have or in many ways reaping the, the effects of that where we were exposed to a lot of things we shouldn't have been on the internet. We are pre-existing mental conditions. I think were worsened by being on the internet and the way we were and the way it's affected how we worry, how we were perceived by other people. I think that's, those are all anxieties and fears that he taps into really well in a really idiosyncratic way. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I don't want to get into a bit about like, the validity of his feelings because of his privilege or whatever. Not that those aren't factors in it, but he's not talking about like the fears he feels from an economic standpoint. He's just talking about literally just the way he feels when he's standing in front of other people. And like the, the anxiety feels as a performer on stage. And I don't think any amount of privilege or wealth will change that. Like that's that universal feeling of you're standing in front of a group of people and they're expecting something of you. And that's something you feel as a kid getting a presentation in front of your class. That's something you feel, I feel, as someone who has to do public speaking now and again because of my, I'm a pastor. Or as something that you might feel as someone who records a podcast, you know? This is way and easier than public speaking. I'll way, way, way easier. It's a thousand um, times easier. By, um, yeah. It's funny because in small group settings, I can, if, if I can casually cut into a conversation, even if it's a more serious conversation amongst even like 20 people, I can do it. But if it's a formal setting of like a present presenter and then people can ask questions, it's weird. My body just triggers like my heart starts racing and stuff like that. So I have to like, I have to literally like DBT my way out of it. Um, or I have like a timeline, like I have a meter for like a video game and the smaller it gets, the quicker I'm like, all right, I got to wrap this up or else I'm going to like throw up or something. Um, so yeah, it's public speaking is weird. Yeah. I know that like elements of his special also specifically touch upon like the anxiety of being subjected to all these things, on the internet and wanting to make a difference and all the blah, blah, blah. And there's certainly an element of that where it's like, Oh yeah. His, his privilege race, whatever plays into that. But I also think that like what he's talking about is more the fact that like we as human beings, we're not wired to be aware of every problem going on in the world all at once. Like we weren't supposed to know, like if you live in Florida, I don't think you're supposed to know what's going on in, you know, in Washington or even California, like some random up like issue. Like if there's like a local government that's like voting on a statue or something like we as human beings aren't supposed to be worried about that. I think it's not supposed to or shouldn't or whatever. I mean, I don't, (laughs) I don't like talking with that language anyway but like i think it's more this idea of uh because you mentioned he has sort of like a lapsed catholic kind of christian upbringing so there's a lot of um duty and order and expectation put into that like you should be doing the right thing at all times and then you're being exposed to a bunch of things and you're questioning well do i have a responsibility for this 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 and this um what do i even have the capability to be responsible for um, well, right. And I think, yeah, like, I think you could say we're not made to be responsible for things far away. 
But with the internet, we're capable of taking care of certain things from a distance. Um, but then simultaneously, I guess, like having there's quite a bit of limitation. Like there is, and that's where I would then say having an understanding of the the teachings of things like responsibility and efficient, good living um, can create that anxiety where you see okay, I can't do anything about the Texas Texas freezing over in the beginning of 2021, but I might be able to do something about racial issues in my area. Um, and then- But I am saying like, we're literally just aware of every bad thing that's happening all the time. And that is not something that we are like created to mentally handle. Like we should not be like, you shouldn't feel bad about not being able to like change everything in the world at all times. Like there are things we cannot change. There are things that we will never be able to change. And like, but that constant awareness and that constant, like, you know, every bad thing is happening everywhere all the time. And that is not, that is not a healthy way to go through life. And that is not what we are mentally supposed to handle. Like we have callings, we have, yeah, we are called to be responsible for certain things. We're called to love our neighbor, but we're, we're, I think, and this is sort of delving into a different conversation, but like we are called to love our neighbor. We're called to be like, I feel very strongly that like, for example, the local church should be actively local. Like you should, we should be ministering to your neighborhoods. You should be helping out in your neighborhood as best you can. You know, my church, we do things with food pantry. We do things with the homeless ministry and that sort of thing. Like that is stuff that we're called to do. And if, but like simultaneously people are being detached from that because of the internet where we are no longer part of local communities, we are being pulled away from that while simultaneously being super aware of everything that's happening everywhere, which is part of why we're seeing tribalism, where like in a community, for example, let's say you, there's a guy in a community named Jeff who like maybe he believes in some wacky conspiracy theories, but that's just Jeff because you know Jeff, you love Jeff. And because you have an actual relationship with him and because he's part of your community, you're then able to minister to Jeff, but purely within the context of the internet, you just meet some guy named Jeff who's spouting some crazy stuff. Jeff is just a crazy guy. And now he's one of them. He's one of the bad people. You know what I mean? And so like, this is like where Bo Burnham and some people live. Like they're detached from the world around them while simultaneously being hyper aware of all these things that happen and exist far away. And that's the kind of anxiety that I think knowingly or not Bo Burnham is really touching upon where like he is powerless to change a nebulous world that kind of doesn't even really exist in a sense. Like he, there's this swirling like wicked cloud where all you're taking in is bad news and all the horrible things that happen all the world without any of the context they exist in or the positive things that somebody exist beside them. He is just consumed by these things. And like him, maybe we should step outside, you know, right. and, you look out the window and the birds are chirping and there's the sun shining and, you know, and there's a, there's human beings with flesh who are, I hate to say it, touching grass oh, that you word. can like, that you flesh. can actually like do something about and you can love them and care for them. And yeah, it's like, there are certain things we should definitely be aware of. Like you shouldn't be like r- racism. What? Like, you know, or, you know, maybe you should know what's happening in Russia and Ukraine right now. And I don't know if we're, podcast will just suddenly get deleted because they mentioned those things but like i'm not i'm not advocating for ignorance but there is like a healthy balance to be hit somewhere 
I also just tweeted that we are recording two episodes right now and we're getting some good reactions. The people miss us, Melvin. I know they miss us and I totally missed our opportunity to do an ad break, but I'm going to save it for later. I guess I'll save it for later. Um, uh, well, no, I can, you know what? I'm going to put that in right now. Thanks so much for listening to at least the uh, top 10 and, and top, top favorites and then least favorites. <laughs> I, I actually had difficulty trying to figure out how to talk about this, like in terms of titles, because titles are important. Thanks for uh, hearing about a little less than half of what I watched last year. Yay. I do have an ad that our producer Ted gave to us. Um, so strap in boys. Yeah, we, we have ads now. I don't think we make any money, but we do ads. I think that's the new way this works. But uh, anyways, oh no, the worst possible thing has happened. From Kill Bill to iCarly, audiences have savored the delectable joy of the foot. From pilot to credits, Dan Schneider and Quentin Tarantino have joined forces to give you the most important streaming service money can buy. Features, spelled F-E-E-T-U-R-E-S, is a more is a new offering in the streaming game. With Schneider and Tarantino putting their foot in the door, get ready to laugh from head to toe. Critics are saying the exclusive launch show toe-to-toe tickles the feet, I mean fancy, of all the action enthusiasts alike. And don't worry, it's not ketchup this time, it's real violence. Additionally, the service comes with exclusive distribution rights for some of cinema's hottest flicks. Gain a foothold on cinematic history with movies like Inherent Vice, The Tree of Life, Saw, and A Dog's Purpose. The ground beneath filmmaking's feet is about to give way, and for just feet fitty a month, all these toes are yours. Are you going to get this new streaming service, Dan? You excited? I don't even know what you're talking about, Melvin. <laughs> like, what is happening right are now? Are you excited for the new streaming service? Did you understand the the deep cut joke of all the all the streaming are all the movies that are on there? They're all movies with feet on the cover. I feel like I was having a really nice conversation <laughs> about like our role in the local communities and local church, and then suddenly the word feet was said like 15 times in a row. <laughs> I don't even know what this show is anymore. Uh, during the hiatus, uh, I wanted to try and think of something fun or new with the podcast. And I thought, <laughs> oh, are you already backing down on your idea? Like, I'm not. <laughs> I, I have other plans. There's another one I thought was really funny, too, from a friend of mine. Um, we're going to I was hoping to keep the shtick uh, of the whole ad thing better. But I figure there's no way Dan will give in because he's not funny. Um, <laughs> Dan is funny, but he's not funny if if anybody understands what i'm saying haha wink wink uh i think anti-humor is really funny and i have always kind of tried to figure out a way to do anti-humor on the podcast i feel like cinematic doctrine kind of started with that when in the beginning of every episode i just said something random i even had a friend say why don't you say something relevant to the episode i said why would i do that uh he didn't get it and that made it funnier to me so we're That's gonna what have... the show's about. <laughs> yeah, no one gets it. Subjecting I'm people. I'm so sorry, Dan. To... We actually don't have any listeners, and I don't <laughs> upload this podcast anywhere. It's just so you and I could talk. <laughs> That'd be so sad. <laughs> I just save it on hard drive. I put it in my attic. What is it? This should be like the, a movie by the guys who do those like creep movies. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait till tubby time. It's going to be great. Yeah. This um, is this is like a modern version of the cable guy or something. Right? Like, uh, got a uh, uh, <laughs> a funny three year prank in the making. 
Surprise! It's uh, I could be hanging out with my wife right now. I took away that. all that time during COVID when you had you worked you worked so terrible hours at a hospital thinking you were going to die by touching a doorknob, and I yeah. got you because I got you to record for Incredible Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> Like, no, what am I trying to put more jokes I, I, into this yeah. podcast for? I don't even need to. The comedy's right there, baby. <laughs> no, but I'm I wanted... my dad's going to die. That's great. <laughs> what do you think we can do the show again? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, this is – see, that one's not true, though, because I said don't do the show. I, I was like – I was mad. I even Who's said not yes-anding now, Melvin? <laughs> Who's not – I even said to Kat, this guy, what does he think he's doing? I was like – I was like, he's not doing the podcast. His dad's freaking sick. <laughs> so I, like, I'm, I texted you back. Of course you're not doing the podcast. Oh, man. I wanted more comedy in the show, but I wanted anti-comedy <laughs> in particular. <laughs> anti-comedy where – we just have fake ads for products that I specifically want them to. I want the tagline for these products to be products you didn't know you didn't want. We should open it up to guests, right? Like the audience. Oh, and they can write their own fake products and we yeah. read them out loud. Okay, that's totally fine because I, I have to make some up anyway. A friend of mine's going to write some. Uh, thank you so much, John, for this one. I developed it a little more. They but should it record great. it themselves. I think that. Oh, would... yeah, that'd be great. I, because when you pitched me this idea, I thought John was going to record it, and then you just started reading it. And it really like threw me for like a mental loop. I would have to uh, get an uh, um, a soundboard so I could press the ad, and then it would play for both of us at the same time, and then we can we can have live reactions to it. I think that'd be pretty funny. I could specific, <laughs> I could have Catherine filter them for we me. Could talk about like, this we, is a good one. Would you buy the? Would you buy the? <laughs> would product? you buy features? Yeah. <laughs> Would you subscribe? Uh, so fake ads like that. Um, and uh, I thought of another one too, but I guess we'll do it some other time. I don't know. I'm not going to waste that one. <laughs> this was gold. He says, tapping his notebook in front of the camera. <laughs> uh, actually, it's these gold, are not. It. It's gold. These are not bad. This is other stuff. Whatever. I don't know. This episode's <laughs> going to be too long and I don't want to edit more than an hour and a half. So I think I actually will cut it off there. Um, Dan. We're back. The podcast is back. <laughs> uh, I yeah, don't even know man. what we're going to do next. What's our next episode? I guess we could do the Marvel Netflix shows, but that's another Let's Talk. That's not a movie. We could do... I we missed Scream. We missed The House. Those are good movies from January. We could, we could do a Disney Plus catch-up episode, right? We, we could do Moonfall, did, and I can have Catherine come on, oh. and she can confess to everybody. I'm sorry, Kat. I'm doing this right now. You can probably hear me. She did not know what the movie was about. Even she said, "Oh, Patrick had Wilson's the, in it." Had the best trailer. <laughs> she, we didn't see the trailer. She was just like, "Oh, Patrick Wilson's in a new movie," and then I was like, "Oh, cool! I guess we're gonna go see it." And then I saw it was Roland Emmerich, and I was like, "Uh oh!" But then I saw they worked. <laughs> I saw they worked together before on Midway, which was another uh oh. But then I saw what Moonfall was about, and I was like, "Oh yeah, we have to go see this." But then Kat still didn't know what it was. So then we sit down and we go see the movie, and she's like, "This is this is so fun." <laughs> so, okay, cool. Uh, I love you, Catherine. You're the best. I know you don't listen to the show, so you'll never hear my love for you, but I love you very much. Is this part of the anti-comedy? Or? Uh, I'm actually not married. I'm <laughs> you just pan the camera over and it's just, <laughs> it's just like a mannequin with a hat on it. <laughs> with just a bunch of Blu-rays taped. <laughs> All the movies I love. There's Moonfall, where the face is supposed to be. 
share this with some friends. Um, share it with your pastor. Brittany's yeah. back. We're Brittany's here. back. But in all seriousness, like, yeah, like word of mouth is how podcasts get around. I have a horrible fear of this show becoming successful. Like I really don't want it. To, I don't want people to, cause we already had a few people that would like react to things we said on the show. Like they'd like tweet at us or, or comment like, and like we had like just about, I don't even remember anything specific, but they were just like, I don't really agree with what you said here. And I had this horrible moment of like, Oh no, like we're getting feedback. Like people are going to disagree with me. And that terrifies me at a visceral level. I disagree with you on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, but I can like talk to you back to you, like some random person on the internet being mad at me. I've, I've, I'm more at peace about it now. Man, I don't have that feeling. I don't have that fear at all. Like if someone's like <laughs> Melvin's with bad opinions, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> like I genuinely have terrible opinions. It's totally fine. <laughs> make my make my darkest fears come true, and someday we'll be doing podcast live shows and going to conventions and embarrassing ourselves in front of a live audience and. Melvin will read fake ads to me and trying to get some sort of reaction out of me and I'll just not react at all and it'll be very awkward for everyone. That sounds fun. So I'll let's to get a laugh happen. track and put it behind you. Maybe we'll just edit one in. <laughs> you like yeah. clip previous laughs and make one long laugh. <laughs> I thought of I, just I thought laughed of for that. five straight Last minutes. Last week I was like what are some dumb editing things I could do for comedy and I was like I gotta like take laughter that you've had just like put it in or like coughing i don't know <laughs> over <laughs> me still talking so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. just a nightmare experience uh, for the we're years. not hitting 130 we're not doing it all right thanks so much for tuning into this podcast 129 one 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 hour and 29 minutes i'm not doing it okay uh thank you melvin past melvin for making this easier for me to edit bye Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlyon, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.